there, and welcome to the Stories for Tomorrow podcast. We love chatting with interesting people, people with stories to tell. In each episode, we will be sharing true stories told by real people. We hope you enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations. With your host, Larissa Lima. Hey, I know you're gone. The clock keeps moving on. I feel this last week. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Search Tomorrow podcast. In this episode, we're going to understand the importance of self-awareness and not letting your desires or things that happened to us in the past guide us in any type of addiction. Today, we're going to have a professional insight regarding addiction and recovery and how self-awareness can be a key to living a successful life. So, let's get started with Trisha Barredo. Hi, hello, Trisha. Thanks for being the Stars for Tomorrow podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's great to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you originally from California? I am. Born and raised in California, in Southern California. Currently, I'm on the Central Coast, where it's just gorgeous. Um, in fact, the topography is very similar to uh, Sicily. So I just we just love it here. It's it's amazing. Would you have a favorite childhood memory to tell us today? And I say memories are those of of exploring the U.S. You know, just driving across the country with my family in our camper, just stopping at campgrounds and and just getting to see you know the different things. I think that was you know my favorite childhood memory. Um, outside of of course you know the the things that I loved, which was swimming, playing piano. Ah, uh, that's very nice. And would you have like the craziest thing that you've done in life? Would you have something that you would say like, that's crazy? The craziest thing I think I've ever done in life is I went through a period after losing my father um, to a motorcycle accident. I had a group of friends that also rode motorcycles. And so driving 125 miles per hour down PCH oh in the emergency God. lane was probably the most crazy that I did. And or off-roading because I loved going off-roading and I used to just stand up in the back of the truck and hold on to the roll bar while we were doing four by four. So those oh two God, things, don't recommend them to anybody. Very dangerous. <laughs> don't do them. Oh my yeah. God. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was a good question to ask. <laughs> Nowadays, you're an addiction code focusing on recovery lifestyle. Would you mind tell us a little bit about it and why did you decide to work with it? Well, Yeah, I thank you. I'd love to. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. And in my life growing up, I developed a lot of that was eating, not eating, shopping, sugar, alcohol, prescription medication, whatever, you know, what it was, um, nicotine. I just always seemed to have this, these negative attachments to them. Like they were habits that really held me hostage. So I went to school, studied, 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 learned everything about process, behavioral and chemical addictions. The things that I learned about all of these nuances is what really afforded me the ability to actually open up a practice that is highly effective in helping people at various different levels of severity. So that's really what fulfills me today. 
And, you know, the, the very short version of how I got there, because of course my education took me five and a half years and my story that led me there is 30 years long. Recovery journey was 25 years long. So that goes into it. That's really what instigated my passion for it was when I I realized that addiction and recovery needs are not just for what society usually thinks of, which is the down, the out, ill, the poorly functioning, the people that need to be removed from their life so that they fixed. There are so many of us that struggle with constantly on a diet. They're either all in or all out. And, and people pleasing, codependency, workaholism, you know, you name it. There are so many yeah. things that we allow to control in our lives and, and that we give too much power to on, you know, to feel we rely on them to bring us peace, joy, comfort, relief, value, validity, worthiness, you name it. Right. Definitely. I think you told me that you had some problems with addiction before you said that. And do you think it's because of it you felt that was easier for you to help others to deal with the situation because you dealt with it yourself? I think 100%. It gives me a leg up so that I can relate to people that are 19 or 60 because I can bring myself to their level. I can meet them where they are because I've been there. So when you have that lived experience, even if it's not identical, but a lived experience that can relate, it it affords you that ability to be more empathetic. And then when you have that education is really what I believe. And and I'm going to say this because I think it's important. The education is what really affords me ability to be of service, not just be somebody that can read because there are a lot of coaches out there that because they overcame something, they think that they're going to be really great at helping them. And they don't go out and get the proper education. I have credentials from three different accredited organizations. And and the accreditation part is the importance because it's actually been investigated. It's been studied. It's evidence-based practice. And so the way that we present and the way that we're able to share and teach and train and coach or use therapy or counseling with our clients is based on, on the education of learning how to do it properly so that we do no harm. Because it's not about us, it's about the client that we want to it's serve. About us. In our previous conversation, you told them that many people are addicted to things that they don't even realize it. How, for example, would they be able to spot the transition between having like a casual drink and being dependent on drinking? Would you be able to help us in that way? Would you like to pass on your legacy for free? Sign up now for the 21 Day Story Challenge and share your adventures, memories, wisdom, and life experience with future generations. Click the link in the description of this episode and start sharing stories, photos, videos, and audio recordings on the Clockbox app. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life. So self-observation. So the next time you go to sit down and pour yourself a drink, take a look at why. What is it you're hoping to gain from that glass of wine or that bottle of wine? Whatever it looks like, right? If it's a alcohol, whatever. If there is an emotional purpose, I'm stressed out, I'm sad, I'm angry, I worked hard all week, I deserve this. That's what it sounds like for you. Then you want to look at your relationship with alcohol because it's not appropriate for it to be a self-soothing tactic. 
we need to be able to do that inside of ourselves. Now, if you're sitting down to have a glass of wine at dinner time and it pairs really well with your steak, right? Like I'm sitting down, I'm having a ribeye. I want this nice, nice, heavy Bordeaux. And you have that with your, with your dinner, then maybe we don't have to look at it because it's just when the steak is gone, the glass of wine is gone and I'm not looking for more. I'm not pouring another one. It's just a fine line. So we, we have to be willing to, to self-observe and it can be tricky. It can be tricky to, to call out when we're reliant on something or yeah. using something, right? Like I talk about sugar all the time because what do we do? If we're sad, depressed, a relationship breakout, I'm going to eat the ice cream. That's an issue. Ice cream is only self-soothing while it hits your tongue. And then what happens after? Like that self-loathing, the regret, things like that. You, so, so, yeah. so, you know, the same same with alcohol, right? If, if we're using it to alter my, my mental state in any way, or we're hoping for it to bring peace, joy, comfort, relief, then, then it might not be an appropriate relationship. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. And what type of addiction would you say that was the most difficult to get rid of? It's food addiction. Because why? Can't just say, I'm not going to eat anymore. Like we can say, I'm not going to drink anymore, or I'm not going to eat refined sugar anymore, or I'm going to be disciplined in my shop. You know, there are things that we can just stop doing, but food is what we cannot. We literally have to change the relationship with food in a sense that it only represents fuel for our body if we have a food addiction, because we have to have food to survive. Yes. So yes. it is the hardest. I know people would, would like to argue with me that it's opiates, but I'm sorry, it's food addiction because you can't just find a way to, to yeah. go without it. You just can't. That's interesting. That's a very interesting point. I've never thought like that. It's been part of my life, my whole life, my relationship yeah. with food. Um, and it is a lifelong relationship that requires a lot of a lot of attention and a lot of care. And it's again, it's not that we can ever truly feel done with. It's something that you can't get rid of. Like you have to eat. So after all those years of experience going through many professional courses, helping many people to get back their lives and finding a fulfilling career, after everything, what would you say was the most important thing that you've learned in life? Uh, the most important thing I've learned in life is what has now become my life's motto. It gets to look feel, be however I want it to, I get to choose. And so in that, that lesson that allowed me to incorporate that is I get to choose how I experience my environment because it's all based on my perception and my interpretation. And I'm actually the one that controls that. So <laughs> if I want to be happy and content in my life, I get to choose to be that. And, and if I want to have growth, I get to choose to properly plan and create that growth or that change in my life. If something, you know, sad or hard happens, I still get to choose how I grieve that. And if I want that to be life derailing or, a, you know, a special transition in life. And so we, we all get to choose how we experience living. And a lot of us don't realize that that's a fact. That's very nice. It's like the emotional awareness of what you're feeling to me. Yeah. That's very interesting. Would you say that your life experiences guided you to where you are now? 100%. I have people that once hearing my story, 
and, and generally are dumbfounded, ask if I had it to do over again, would I do it differently? And my answer is always no. Because if I did something differently along the way through the journey, even those things that I had to endure, like sexual assault, domestic violence, those kinds of things, if I hadn't experienced those, I wouldn't be who I am today. And, yes. and, and so learning that those things had nothing to do with me and everything to do with the dark side of another being that I didn't have to own it or carry it. That was life-changing for me. And that is huge in everything that I do in my life for myself, because I do truly live for myself first without feeling guilty, selfish, punished, or restricted. I also wouldn't be able to help other people learn how to live free and live life the way that they desire. That's very nice. That's so interesting, Tricia. Thank you. Thank you for your answer. So just one final question before we wrap it up. As you know, the sponsor of this podcast is Clockbox, a digital time capsule to be shared with future generations. So let's say you have an opportunity to leave a time capsule to your loved ones for when you leave this earth. What would they find in it? What would you put into your Clockbox, Tricia? I would message that said... You are perfect just the way you are in all of your uniqueness. Oh, that's beautiful. And I probably would add, because I'm windy, we all can tell already, like I'm long-winded. So I would probably follow that with, you know, be, be true to yourself, be genuine, and, and go and explaining what I truly meant by that encrypted message. <laughs> but, <laughs> but really, I think self-acceptance and really, uh, you know, having that ability to give a gift of knowing that this is your life. It gets to be what you need it to be, what you want it to be. It gets to be designed exactly for you. And then I think it would have helped people go through life less rigid, less in the stance of a judger. We would have young women and men growing up not comparing themselves to each other or movie stars or, you know, whoever else, like just being happy and content with the life that they've been offered to them. That's very nice. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you so much for participating in the Stories for Tomorrow podcast. I loved getting to know a little bit better and understand more about your story. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Stories for Tomorrow. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.